Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Off the Shelf. My guest this week is Nicholas Hutchison, who is founder of Book Thinkers Inc. Now, those of you who are like me and spend your life on Bookstagram have probably heard of Nick. He has his own uh, book podcast, also called Book Thinkers. And he is about to release a book called Rise of the Reader, Strategies for Mastering Your Reading Habits and Applying What You Learn. And this book is out on November 1st. And Nick is here today to talk to us about how we can all make our reading work harder for us. Welcome to the show, Nick. Yeah, I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to talk with a fellow book nerd. You know, I'm somebody who spends most of my time reading books and not everybody gets that, but I have a feeling I'm on the right podcast today. Yes. I mean, do you have a podcast? I have one because my friends were sick of hearing about it. So I don't know if that's the same thing for you. Yes, yes. Well, I started my podcast because once the bookstagram, you know, started to grow, I noticed that a lot of the authors that I was reading, they were following the account, they were sharing my book reviews. And so I was like, well, I have all these follow up questions about their books. Let me host a podcast Mm -hmm. where I can talk with them. Now, I focus mostly on personal development, nonfiction, business style books. But, uh, you know, so I'm always in there, like trying to get trying to get a little bit of life advice and some additional mentorship from them. Really, I always go the other way. So I prefer fiction. And my main questions are, how do you well initially get the idea? How do you kind of find time in your day to write? Because lots of I don't think people realize this, but lots of writers have full time or part time day jobs or various other responsibilities that, that grown ups do. So how do you find the time to write? And I'm also very interested for people that have had to find out if people have had uh, like conventional higher education in writing. Do you need to have an MFA? Do you need to go on these writing programs? Are they do they add value? Would you recommend them? So that's always what I'm interested in. Yeah, well, I'm happy to cover all of those things. So I do work full time in the book space. My business, Book Thinkers, is actually a a digital marketing agency behind the scenes for nonfiction business type authors. So I have 10 people on my team. We support hundreds of authors a year in some type of paid capacity. We do a lot of book promotion style activity on social media and podcasting. And uh, so as a result, I get to work sort of full time in the book space. And over the years, as I was building my community, remember, it's mostly kind of the personal development style books. A lot of people, they'd reach out to me and they'd say, hey, Nick, I appreciate all of the book recommendations, but how do I get more from these books so that I can implement it into my life and improve my life? And, uh, you know, I, that's why I decided to write my book, Rise of the Reader, Strategies mm-hmm. for Mastering Your Reading Habits and Applying What You Learn. Because I mean, I, I think hate to that... cut you off, but I can see that you are wearing a Rise of the Reader hat. I'm sickening yes. you jealous. I really want one. <laughs> I hope they're available to purchase. They are not yet, but I just, I bought this as like a little test and I absolutely love it. So yeah, I'll make them available for purchase. Yeah. But yeah. I was, you know, it's funny. I don't know about you. Um, my story's, oh, I love it. <laughs> for, for, for listeners' benefit, my Labrador is desperately trying to get my attention. Okay, get down. I will play with you in a minute. <laughs> so, yes. Sorry, Nick. I completely cut you off. You were saying that you started your own business and now you bought this book out to help people improve their reading experience and take the lessons away. 
Yes, exactly. And uh, I have, you know, that's a problem that a lot of readers experience, you know, it's like, Hey, did you read this book? They can't even tell you whether or not they read it. They're like, uh, I think so. Yes. Maybe, you know, so I'm all about how to take effective notes, how to retain more from the books or reading, how to implement it to improve our lives. And uh, I do read some fiction as well. So I'm not a robot that like only reads business <laughs> books, but um, I'm mostly in the nonfiction space. And so because of that, I think it was easy for me to schedule time out of my day and write. You know, I've read hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books over the last 10 years. So I think that probably made the process a little bit easier for me. And no, I don't have any type of degree in anything related to writing books. So certainly not. That's interesting. And did you find that when you were kind of taking your time out of day to write, what's the best time of day for you to write? Because that's a question I always ask authors. Nine times out of 10, they say, I get up early and do it before I start work. And that's never the answer I want because I'm not a morning person. Yeah, well, me, well, I'm like a mid-morning person, you know? I don't get up mm. before the sun, but I get up before, I guess, you know, some people do. I think I think the right answer to that question and the right answer for reading books is uh, when your energy is the highest. And so for me, I wake up, you know, I take the dog for a walk, I go to the gym, I come back, I pour my first cup of coffee. And that's the best time for writing. But it's also the best time for reading because your energy is at its highest. You have kind of like for me, the exercise endorphins are flowing a little bit. The caffeine has just hit. And now, you know, the cognitive enhancer is there. And so that's the best time for me to to read is like right at the peak of my energy or write before you know the day kind of crashes interesting and in your book you kind of touch on how people can take more away from these books and I read a lot about um, things that are called kind of reading journals is that something you engage in no uh, it's not Um, although I do recommend you know setting an intention for each book that you read and taking notes and things like that but no what is um what is a reading journal so I don't keep one because I live a bit too much in chaos, but it's one. It's a, a journal where you kind of mark the book you've read along with, oh, yes, yes. you know, how far you've got into it and any thoughts you may have. And I think that would really help with my issue, which we were discussing before this. Sometimes people ask me, have I read a book? And I have no idea if I've read it. Sometimes I forget, which isn't great. How many books do you read per year? Um, so I, for pleasure, so my day, as my day job, I am a lawyer. So I read a lot of kind of legal textbooks anyway. Uh, but in terms of for pleasure, I read probably 45, 50 books a year, something like that. I try and aim for kind of one a week. And I would say that skews more fiction, probably. Um, but a lot of, uh, I th- what, I'm interested to know what you think about this. A lot of nonfiction books I get, I get as audio books. And then in my head, oh, it's just a long podcast. Yes. Yeah. I read about, so this will freak everybody out maybe, but I read about a hundred books a year, maybe more. And let's say I read a hundred books, about 70 of them are physical paper books. And then mm-hmm. 30 of them will be audio books. I'm, I'm not really much of a Kindle user, although it no, would I'm save quite either. a bit of space and money uh, in my backpack while I'm traveling and also behind me on my bookshelves. <laughs> if anybody's watching the video version of this, I have like a thousand books behind me. But um, yeah, so reading a ton of these books. And I think audiobooks are great. Uh, if I'm listening to like a 
a biography or an autobiography, a memoir, something that is a long story about somebody else's life. I tend to listen to those books because, you know, they're less actionable. You don't need to like go through steps or a framework or anything Mm -hmm. or take notes. It's just about kind of experiencing the book. So I love to listen to biographies. I also find biographies particularly good because nine times out of 10, it's the person it's about reading them. Yes. So I find that really helpful. I listened to Barack Obama's book, which, as listeners will well know, is about 35 hours long, I think. Um, And he's just has such a lovely voice to listen to. Uh, But on the topic of uh, listening to audiobooks, I think you'll tell me off for this. Because I listen to them as podcasts while I'm doing something else, I tend to zone out and I'm not really paying attention to what's going on in the book. So... Tell me where I'm going wrong. How should I fix this? Well, number one, about 80% of the inputs to our brain are visual. And so the rest of our senses only make up 20% of the inputs to our brain. So if you're listening to something instead of reading something, you're already at a slight disadvantage. If you're reading that book to benefit your life, right? I I understand not everybody in today's audience is reading nonfiction, self-help, personal development style books. But if you are reading those books and you're trying to get something out of the book to use in your life, maybe overcome a specific pain or develop a specific skill set, then I highly recommend reading the physical paper book. It's multi-sensory. You can feel it. You can touch it. And visually, again, that's about 80% of the inputs to our brain. So it's much easier to kind of form a new neural connection to understand and organize information if it's coming in through our eyes, which sounds a little bit funny. Um, And I know that, you know, the dog next to you, dogs are a little bit different. I think that a huge percentage of the inputs to their brains are actually through their nose and their sense of Mm -hmm. smell as well as their hearing, not as much through their eyes. So different species are different, but humans are definitely visual learners. And I think that like for me, when I listen to audiobooks, it's more of a form of entertainment, not as much education. And so I'm not really as, as worried about like retaining as much from them. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that 80% statistic. That is, that is, and it, to be fair, now I think about it, it does make sense because when I get a, my kind of reading enjoyment is higher when I have a physical book, even if that, if that's fiction or nonfiction. Yeah. And so. you're being forced to, to monotask, right? To focus on one thing. Yeah. Because like you highlighted, when you're listening to a book and you're driving or you're doing chores around the house, you're distracted, you're, you're multitasking. You know, you're switching between paying attention to your headphones and the book and whatever else you're focused on. And so, yeah, I think naturally your focus is a little bit higher when you're reading a physical book, too. Yeah, especially as you're sitting down and focusing. So that's firstly where I'm going wrong. What's the second way I'm going wrong? How do I fix it? Well, I'll share I'll share some tips. And again, I, I do recognize that most of these tips will seem a little bit extreme for people who are just reading fiction as a form of escape or a mm-hmm. form of entertainment. But sometimes I'll meet people at personal development conferences or even through social media. And I'll say, hey, what are you reading? And they'll tell me and I'll say, why? And they're like, what do you mean? Why? And I'm like, well, why are you reading the book that you're reading? Again, if you're trying to overcome pain or develop a skill set, which is what personal development's all about. I think you have to set an intention, a goal for each book that you read. Mm. And so for me, I love to set a SMART goal. SMART is an acronym that stands for 
specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time bound. And so, so when I read a book on the law school right now, but yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully they're good flashbacks. Yeah, now I know yeah. they're probably uh, crazy, but um, you know, when I read a book, let's just say on diet, I'm not just going to read the book and hope that that diet book changes my life. I'm going to set a goal such as find and implement at least two strategies for improving my diet by the end of September. That is specific. It's measurable. I know whether or not I achieve the goal when I'm done with the book. It's attainable. It's not like lose 50 pounds in a month, but it's like just find and implement two new strategies Mm. into your health routine. It's relevant to my life. And you can even add a little bit of emotion by saying, because I have a wedding coming up and I want to lose a few pounds for it or whatever the case is. And then time bound, give yourself a deadline to implement what you've learned. And so if you can set that intention before you start reading the book and maybe even write it on the inside cover of the book, Each time you read a few more pages, you'll filter for those strategies that you can implement. And of course, your attention will go up because you'll have implemented the book directly into your life. And so when somebody says, hey, how'd you lose those 20 pounds? You said, oh, it was from that book that I read. You'll retain the strategies because you'll be teaching them to other people as well. So those are some of the things that I think about with the types of books that I'm reading typically. And with that strategy, do you recommend sticking to one book at a time? No, I don't. Different ones at at the same time. Yeah, I, I love reading different books at the same time. I think, you know, not not in the same sitting, but let's just say over a period of a month, I'll read and listen to a handful of books in different subjects. Hmm. And something that's really interesting happens sometimes, which is you can kind of mash ideas up from totally unrelated subjects. So sticking with the same diet example that I just gave, imagine you're reading a book on improving your diet, maybe intermittent fasting or something like that. And you're reading a book on management and leadership. Mm. Well, combining the two, you'll create something completely new and fun. And I'll just make it up. Like, let's say intermittent delegation, like delegating tasks to your team, but following an intermittent diet schedule. Like you never know what's going to come up. And so that's why I love to kind of mash these book notes together and and create something new and fun from them. Interesting. I've never thought about that. Who knows where you'll end up? Hmm. Yeah, I, there's a, there's an author, James Altucher, he calls it idea sex. And uh, it's basically now he doesn't do it with books, but he's just saying, like, take random ideas and then journal about them for a few minutes about how you would mash them together. And so I try to be intentional about doing the same thing with the different books that I'm reading. So maybe I'm reading a biography about Elon Musk, like the one that just came out by Walter Isaacson, you know, and I'm learning about something that he's doing at the same time. I'm reading a totally different subject. And I'm like, well, what would Elon do here? You know, and then I just I write about it. So it's it's a fun practice. I think it makes nonfiction, which is sometimes a little bit like boring to people. Uh, it can kind of spice it up and make it a little bit more fun. That's really interesting. You touch upon Walter Isaacs. And I was just listening to his interview with Lex Friedman about the Elon Musk biography before before this. And I was just thinking I would love to maybe not write that could be Elon Musk, but just meet him once. I think that would be. I didn't even know what to expect. But anyway, that's an absolute different segue that we're on now. Well, I'll tell you you a funny. Yeah, I'll tell you a funny story real quick, which is that I just hosted our first Book Thinkers event. And we had about 50 of my author clients attend the event. 
And I featured some of them on stage. And, and one of them, his name is Jimmy Sony. He wrote a book called The Founders, which was all about the original PayPal mafia, which included Elon, Peter Thiel, Reed Hoffman, Very Max Lynch, and a bunch people. of people. Yeah. And Jimmy talked about his first couple of experiences interviewing Elon. And uh, one of the times he was just, he was planning to show up just for like a 30 minute interview. And then Elon talked for five hours straight with him and he was just taking notes the whole time. So yeah, really mm-hmm. cool experiences. And you're right. Like you never know if you just mash these ideas together, what's going to come up. And, and, you know, now we're talking about, you know, <laughs> Elon Musk <laughs> Elon and Musk, Lex yeah. Friedman and stuff. Mm. Yeah. It was just a very interesting podcast I was listening to that, that stayed with me. So uh, you are bringing this book out and you work with authors before. What's it like to see, I suppose, how the sausage is made, which is an English idiom now I realize I'm saying it. I don't know if you have it in the US. We do. Yes. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I thought it was going to be easier than it was. I thought because I, I was a relatively. Listening to this and saying, we told you so. Yes, they are. <laughs> Writing a book is very difficult. I, I think I thought because, well, I think I thought, I did think, <laughs> I thought that it was because I was a disciplined person that I could just sit down, like we were talking about, wake up early, write for an hour a day or something like that, and produce a book in a few months. And it was so much harder than that. <laughs> I spent the last three years observing my own behavior. How do I implement books? Trying to define those strategies for people. Reading other miscellaneous information and trying to sort of rework it to fit my own formats. Interviewing authors about, you know, writing actionable books. And I mean, the whole process took me hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours. And it was far more difficult than I thought. So I have so much more respect for everybody that I work with or anybody that writes a book in general. And by the way, I think writing a fiction book, you know, is probably much more difficult than writing a traditional nonfiction book. So even more kudos to any of the authors in your audience that are are used to writing and listening to authors talk about fiction. Oh, no, I absolutely agree. I think writing a book where you have to build the world, fantasy authors like Neil Gaiman, I'm just in awe absolutely in awe yeah me too it's Mm -hmm. uh it's a big lift to get something from your head out there into the world and and have other people understand what you're trying to convey in terms of a story or lessons or whatever it is exactly exactly now we're coming to the end of the time i've got you for and i know you might struggle with this but do you have a favorite fiction book you would like to recommend to the listeners my favorite fiction book, I do read plenty of them. I try, I tend to read, you know, these kind of like fables or, uh, you know, mm-hmm. short stories that do teach nonfiction lessons at the same time. So I'll give an example. One of my favorite fiction books is The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Yes, I've read it. Yes. Yes. Such a wonderful story about stating your intentions to the universe and the universe conspiring to assist you. I think you know, fiction is the only place where the impossible becomes possible with the stroke of a pen. And it can definitely expand your mind, expand your vocabulary, expand the way that you think about things, and you can learn from other people's storytelling. And so sometimes uh, a good fiction story is more real than a good biography is. (laughs) So yeah, I love The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Yeah, that's an excellent choice. And I will link it down in the show notes as I will how to pre-order your book. And the final question I ask my guests is, 
what's your favorite independent bookshop? And I know you're based in the US, so we might not have heard of it, but we love to shout about independent bookshops on this show. Yeah, well, I'll actually share one on your side of the pond. So I have, I've traveled through Europe quite a bit and uh, some of the bookstores over in Europe, uh, you know, and the UK, but in Europe, uh, they're, they're older and there's more history. And so I remember in Portugal, in downtown Lisbon, the oldest bookstore ever, Livraria Bertrand. And uh, I don't remember what year it was founded, but it's still active today. And, and I think it was originally founded in like the 1700s or something like that. So yeah, that I would say that's my favorite one, just because walking through those the aisles of books, you're thinking 300 years ago, people stood in this same place looking at books. Like, how cool is that? Oh, that and, is really uh, cool. Do you know, I've never been to Portugal, but every time anyone goes, they always say you have to go for the bookshops. There's, there's yes. obviously that one in Lisbon and there's a lovely one in, in Porto, Livraria Lello. I think is how you pronounce it. I'm probably butchering it. Um, but it's quite famous in the UK because it's what inspired J.K. Rowling to write the bookshop in Harry Potter. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, this summer, or next summer, sorry, we're already in September. Uh, my brother is getting married in Portugal. And so we're planning to take the train from Lisbon up to Porto afterwards. And oh, I'll definitely have to check that out. Definitely do. Definitely do. But it's been a pleasure having you on the show, Nick. Thank you very much. And as I said, I will link everything we've just discussed down in the show notes. Are you excited for your book launch? Oh, of course I am. And and I just can't wait to feel the impact of this book. I, like like we've talked about so many times, people read books, they can't even remember what books they read. And I mm. want to help solve that problem. Well, I think that's the, the ultimate way to end the show. Thank you very much, Nick. Thank you.